Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to illustrator Eric Wilkerson about the book he recently did with Colin Kaepernick called I Color Myself Different. So a little bit about the book, Colin Kaepernick's moving story of identity, race, and self-love inspired by a true event from his childhood encourages readers to embrace their unique differences, stand up to adversity, and to courageously love their whole true selves. And a little bit about our guest today, Eric. Eric Wilkerson is an award-winning illustrator and conceptual artist who has created many sci-fi, fantasy, and middle-grade book covers. A graduate of the School of Visual Arts, he teaches illustration at CG Spectrum while also focusing on painting people of color having out-of-this-world adventures. This is his first picture book. Visit his website at ericwilkersonart.com. Eric was absolutely fantastic. We got into a discussion about his career. We got into a discussion about the book and all things art um, nerddom. It's just an absolute great conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, be- before we get there, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my episode with Eric will be right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is illustrator extraordinaire. We've already spent way too much time off mic talking about art and all things comic books and superheroes. So I know it's going to be a great time on the show today. Eric Wilkerson. Eric, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, Getting over a little cold that my son was gracious enough to bring home from daycare and pass it around the family. But, uh, other than that, any parents listening can relate. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, our kids, uh, the, we we often say and, and hear that our, our children are our greatest gifts. And yet we find that they give us such wonderful gifts on an ongoing basis, such as the cold you were talking about just now. Um, my child gave me the flu earlier this year. It knocked me for a loop. I had never had the flu before. Don't know where we found the flu, um, but yet we found it and made sure it went around the house. Everybody took a turn on the flu mobile. It was wild. So yes, yes. Uh, sharing is caring, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Eric, I'm excited for you to be on the show today. We're going to talk about uh, the main thing we're going to talk about today is the book, I Color Myself Different, which you illustrated and Colin Kaepernick wrote. So I'm very excited to talk about that. 
You're an amazing artist and illustrator. You've got incredible works of art. And we're going to talk about some of your inspirations and lessons. Uh, but as a reminder for those who are tuning in, maybe it's your first time, the Detox Podcast is a place where we invite the listener to quote unquote detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives. And uh, so we like to ask the guests at the top of each show, Eric, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, man. Well, um, <laughs> nothing really at the moment. I mean, I'm, if you had asked me in December, I would have said I was detoxing from working nonstop every single day, every single weekend to a point where it was enraging my wife and you know, I felt like I was neglecting my kids because I was yeah. so busy on all these different things, but all these different opportunities, but had reached a point in my career where I, where I thought, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I can't, I can't turn this opportunity down. I can't turn this opportunity down. Oh my gosh. Now this opportunity, I guess I'm just not going to sleep. Right. <laughs> but then in December, I said, you know what? We, we, we had moved into this new house and I still hadn't unpacked. I still hadn't painted my studio. I still had swatches on the wall, like half stuck on the wall. <laughs> um, paint cans where I thought I had chosen the right color, but then changed my mind like three or four times. And uh, it was a disaster. The room was an absolute disaster. So I, <laughs> I, I took a month off. And for like the first time in years, and my, my daughter helped me paint the studio. So that was my, my break from painting or drawing anything. I love that. You know, I think it's so easy for us as, as uh, adults working and wanting to, to maximize every opportunity that comes our way. And then um, where we can, can tend to take on, a lot uh, at one particular time, and then uh, I am also learning learning the art of of reaching a point where I can step back for a bit and have a moment with my kiddos and just sort of recenter myself. I know this particular weekend I got some one on one time with my son and. Uh, he wanted to do something special and there's a lot of work. There's a lot of everything going around. There's a lot that's kind of cloudy in my mind, but getting the opportunity to be with him. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's pick chocolate chip cookies from scratch. And I tell you what, I'm going on the record here. They were excellent. So, uh, it was amazing to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one time and just recharge and then be able to enter back into, to work refreshed. So I like that. I think that's, that's a good point to get to have that. So I love that your daughter was able to paint the studio with you. That's incredible. So do you like it? Is it, is it good? Is it, is it where you want it to be at this point? It is. And <clears throat> all of the, all of the late nights, all of the hard work, all of the, um, the moments, the darker moments where I thought that this wasn't going to work out as a career. Um, you know, I, I came up out of that, pit and you know as an illustrator 
anything, any kind of creative field is going to ebb and flow. And you're going to have your good years. You're going to have your great years. And then you're going to have years where nobody cares how good a painter you are or how good a dancer or singer or whatever. Right. right. But I just, I, I tell my students, if you keep going, if you keep trying, if you keep doing the thing that you love, you're going to climb out. You're going to, you're going to keep excelling. You're going to keep rising higher and higher and higher. And you know, there's going to be that, that light at the end of the tunnel where things are calm. And like you've, you've, I don't want to say reach that peak because there's always right. higher levels to go. There's always more to learn, more to, to challenge yourself, but you reach a stability in the career. I think this is the right word for it, a stability yeah. in the career where you can um, say, yeah, this worked out. I, I did make the right choice. See, Ma, see, Dad, <laughs> you wanted me to go back to school or join the army or you know, right. do something else with my life. But um, now I'm having phone calls with like celebrities and it's so weird and surreal, but that's uh, that's the that's the life. That's the that's the career. You really don't know what's waiting for you on the other end of that email or phone call you might get from a client. Yeah. No, that well said. I love the word stability, right? Because I think that is what is so hard at times to achieve is that stability. Um, and yet we need it for a variety of things and we, and we, and we crave it and that's what we're working towards. And, and especially uh, to your point as a creative, it is difficult at times to be able to achieve that. You talked about your career. I want to wind the clock back a bit. Talk, talk me through what drew you to art as a medium and then also specifically, how did you start developing your own artistic style? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a great question. Okay. So, um, I've always been, I've been drawing since I was probably five or six years old that I can remember. Um, kids in my, in my daycare, older kids in my daycare, like first graders, second graders, they would come to my daycare as an after school program and they would be drawing uh, Pac-Man or whatever comic book characters and Charlie Brown and stuff like that. And I would see that. And I remember asking the kids, like, how did you do that? And they would show me. And then I got better than they did. Then I got better than they were <clears throat> just by copying the comic strips and things like that, that I was seeing at home. Um, but it's something I never stopped doing. Like every, every school child starts off the same way, learning how to draw, you know, stick figures, circle dots for the eyes and all that stuff. And soon they learn to create cylindrical shapes and all that stuff through first grade, second grade. But then at some point, other interests kick in basketball, football, games, whatever their interest, their personality kicks in and they leave art behind. And I stayed with it. So when people tell me, oh, I can't draw a straight line or I can't draw a stick figure, it's because you 
haven't practiced since you were like seven years old. Right. right? Whereas I kept going well into my forties. Like it's not, it's not, I can't play the piano. Right. (laughs) But if I was up against like, but I know people that have been playing since they were five years old chopsticks. Right. Right. So um, it just went like that through junior high school until I discovered the work of a comic book artist named Jim Lee. Mm. And I knew my path. That was it. I was going to be a comic book artist. Jim Lee, the work of Will Spertasio, Todd McFarlane, basically all the guys that founded Image Comics in the 90s. Yeah. I was following those comic books. I was following Marvel Comics and copying, you know, X-Men issue one. I was, I have... I my my art style bounced back and forth between me copying Rob Liefeld, a mixture of Rob Liefeld, Will Spertasio, yeah. and Jim Lee, and that was my entire awesome. that was my entire sketchbook. That was the interiors of all of my social studies books. Like I didn't care where <laughs> I was drawing it, <clears throat> right? <laughs> but I I was you know I was bent on. Uh, going to school to learn how to do that professionally. And uh, I had a core group of friends from junior high and high school that also kind of wanted that or were like with me in the library arguing over who could beat who in a fight between, you know, the Wolverine or Magneto or whatever. Right. (laughs) And we're sitting there drawing our own characters and having laughs and stuff. But uh, I, I ended up going to the School of Visual Arts in, in New York City. And at the time, uh, SVA was boasting that they had working professional comic book artists, uh, you know, teaching graphic novel courses and stuff. Like Frank Miller was teaching there. Oh, wow. Um, Klaus Jansen, um, Bernie, not Bernie Wrightson, um, Walt Simonson was teaching there. So like a lot of like industry greats at the time were, were just, you know, giving us a little bit of giving the school a little bit of their time and bringing up that next generation of comic book artists. But by the time I graduated high school and started SVA, Frank Miller quit. (laughs) Walt Simonson took a sabbatical uh Klaus Jansen was still there but like all these people left and that's what I went to the school for so I'm like right. well I thought well what's this illustration thing I guess I'll give that, <laughs> I guess I'll give that a shot right but yeah that's that's basically it went from me not giving up or not really having anything else to do right as a little kid and practicing and uh I think being allergic to everything uh, as a kid kind of limited my my options I wasn't going to go out playing in a in a grassy field for hours a, a weekend you know there was no softball in my in my childhood so yeah stay home and draw <laughs> I I think it's so cool though because when we were talking um before we started recording, we were talking about the X-Men, the animated series, which 
that whole show was based off of the art of Jim Lee, right? And his his X Men, and because that was, I mean, so. I grew up with that sh- that animated series and Jim Lee's art. That was the X-Men that I knew as well. And it wasn't until later that I discovered the X-Men of the 70s and the incredible work, right, of Claremont and um, what is the author's... Is that John John, Byron, yeah, John Byrne. Yeah, John yeah. Byrne, thank mm-hmm. you. John Byrne, Chris Claremont, that whole run. And I do love that. But um, the art of Jim Lee holds a special place in my heart because of of how impressionable I was when I stumbled upon that particular art. And so interesting to me how, uh, how different items imprint on us from, and, or in your case, influence, right. For such, for such a long time. Um, I want to talk about, so let's, let's fast forward a bit to, to the book. So uh, in this book, so I color myself different, Colin Kaepernick writing uh, the autobiography it's autobiographical, I should say, and then you did the illustrations for it. So this was your first time illustrating a children's book, correct? correct? Yeah. Okay. So how was the? How were you chosen for the process, or how did you get this particular job gig? And then um, what has what was it like for you illustrating a children's book as opposed to some of these like superhero or crazy sci-fi characters? Right. Okay, so um, I had a working relationship with Scholastic Books before before okay. this came uh, before this book came about. Um, I had worked with the the uh, the editor, the art director for this uh, children's book. She was also my art director for uh, a series of uh, novels I was doing the just the cover art for, um, and. I had put together some samples for children's book art back when I was in college. Mm. So uh, in even after college. So we're going back 15, 20 years uh, where the thing that has kept me afloat as an illustrator is being able to shift styles and diversify my portfolio and being able to apply to something, a game studio, advertising agency, whatever it might be, and be able to say, yeah, I can do that, is has really saved me a lot of times because my whole philosophy was, well, if one thing slows down, you don't want to be stuck. You don't want to be that person that only knows how to paint dragons or only knows how to do right. one type of illustration. And so I put together... Uh, well, a friend of mine from from college uh, eventually became a uh, an art director, an editor working for Random House um, uh, for their children's book division. But uh, we had long discussions in college about you know prepping our portfolios and and what to do if something doesn't work out. And we both wanted to not only have a realist portfolio for uh, other types of illustration, but we also were interested in children's books. So um, from the very beginning, I, I, I always wanted to do a children's book. I just didn't know how to get into it. And it was just one of those things where I had samples that I had done 15 years ago that 
my agent showed to Colin. And that's how it, it worked out. I mean, I, yeah, he was aware of the stuff that I had done for Disney and this other stuff I had done for Scholastic. And that was really cool. Uh, but they wanted to see that I could handle a style that I could switch gears and handle something more kid friendly. And my agent was able to say, well, here's this. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad I took that time back in 2005. (laughs) (laughs) Sit at my computer one night. Right. Um, But it's, but the, the process or the, the actually working on it was, was really cool. Uh, because I got to, this was my first time, not just reading about the, the process or uh, hearing about it from friends. Oh, you're going to do this book dummy and then you're going to do your sketches and you do character designs, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. It was me doing it, but I had to yeah. come at this. Um, I didn't call up a bunch of children's book illustrator friends and say, okay, Oh my God, I got my first children's book. What do I do? I didn't freak out like that because I had already had these kind of these conversations with them over the years where they were showing me their process. And um, uh, I got to, uh, I don't want to segue too much, but I, sure. I'm friends with a number of children's book illustrators that have been, uh, really gracious with their time, really good friends of mine and uh, people that I've known for over a decade now. And when it came time for me to actually do my own, my first children's book, I was comfortable that I knew what I was doing based on all of the previous conversations or hanging out at somebody's studio, sifting through all of their sketches and stuff and seeing that process. I understood, as the kids would say, I understood the assignment, right? Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, exactly. <laughs> um, what was it? So thank you for sharing that. I think it's so cool to to hear about, you know, it. it's a good, I would say it's a good reminder. And it's a good lesson that um, sometimes things that we're working on in the moment, which may seem... I don't want to say trivial, but may seem not necessarily exactly relevant to what we're working on in the grand scheme of the moment can still be beneficial years down the road. I mean, I'm thinking about lessons and pieces of advice and skills that I picked up 10 years ago that I thought, why, why am I being given this now? Why am I taking time on this? And I'm regularly using those skills in my day-to-day existence now. But it took 10 years, right, to, to get to that point. So I think it's awesome that, like, the work that you did is what helped you get this particular this particular role. Now, shifting gears just slightly, but still talking about the book, knowing how, um, how, how much of a figure, public figure, Colin Kaepernick has been uh, over the last several years, what did it mean to you to get to illustrate his story and help share it with the world. Honestly, it was it was pretty huge for me. Um, I mean, it's the most high profile job I've ever been on. Uh, you know, I was just more honored that he chose me 
for this than anything. Yeah. I was, um, you know, he could have gone with anybody, you know, yeah. Caldecott award-winning, blah, 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 illustrator, you know, teaming up with, you know, NFL superstar uh, activist, but he chose me. And I kept thinking for a time, I kept thinking, why me? Like, why, Yeah. why, why me? And, but then I had to get out of my head and say, no, they chose you for a reason. Right. You know, cause I, there's at a certain point in every illustrator's career, any creative's career, you have to quiet that imposter syndrome yeah. and say, you know what? You're here for a reason. They chose you for a reason. Yeah. Now prove it. Yeah. Show them why. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> as honored as I was and as huge as, you know, uh, he is and the status that he has and, and everything, it was more for me, it was about proving after years of trying, after years of thinking about doing a children's book or being a children's book illustrator, along with all these other different types of work that I've done, now's my chance to prove, step up, you know, put up, you know, right. do it or do it. What is it? What does Yoda say? Do or do not. Do or there do is not. No try. There is no try. <laughs> now, now, now is your chance, son. Do it. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Now you used uh, your, or you had a a model that you were able to work off of that lived in your own house. Is yes. that correct? Or lives in your yes. own house? Yeah. Talk me talk me through uh, through that scenario. So I I have a biracial daughter, um, and she is approximately the same was was at the time approximately the same age uh, that Colin would be in the book. Yeah. And uh, has approximately the same type of hair texture and all that. Same, yeah. same tan, same full body tan, <laughs> the whole business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Colin and I had conversations about that at the very beginning. Like, what do you want to look like in this book? Yeah. What is the, what, what's the hair like? What's your, what's the hair texture like? What's the skin tone yeah. like? Because having two, having two kids, you know, and anybody listening, you know, that their, their tan kicks in slow. So, <laughs> but uh, I asked them, you know, what do you, what do you want to look like? And I said, well, my daughter uh, is around about the same complexion you are now. And um, so we, we talked about that in depth. You know, and the it it eventually I had to do a, a full character design for this. I treated it more like uh, concept art for animation or something, where okay. I didn't want to just go into it. And that's that's that that's just me in my headspace. I'm really mm -hmm. kind of OCD about that. I want to make sure everything is properly referenced. I don't want to go into anything especially something as high profile as this and just be winging it. No. Okay. Well, sure. I'll just do something cool today. No, everything was thought out right down to the shoelaces, you know, sure. and wow. uh, yeah. that was presented to Colin and his team. And they signed off on what young Colin was going to look like in the book. And all of that work was done before I ever started page one. 
So, you know, I, that's just how I work. That's, I mean, if I treated it like I was working for an animation studio or a game studio, you know what the characters are going to look like before you start making 3d models and animating stuff and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I, I posed, I would ask my daughter once we, once we had sketched out the pages and the pages were approved to go to final art, um, this summer, last summer, it was basically my daughter and I in my studio or in our basement or out in our backyard or at the local park, um, anywhere where we were, I, I was composing pages in my head. I would say, can you just run that way? Or you know, can you just hold yeah. your arm like this? Can you hold your arms up like that? And I know she got sick of it after a while. I, I just assume that she did. <laughs> but um, I would show her the sketches and I would tell her, like, this is how you have to be acting. This is I full on movie director. Like, that's that's, <laughs> the, that's the other part of being an illustrator that it. you have to you have to be when you're when you have models. You have to be a full movie yeah. director and say, this is your motivation. This is what's going on. Uh, you're sad in this moment. You're happy in this moment. I need you to, I would act it out for her, you know, old school yeah. Norman Rockwell style where like he's posing and then he gets the kid to do the exact same thing. That yeah. is the method. Right. And she did it perfectly yeah. every time. And uh, I, I love her for that. It's like, she's my, she was my little actor and she said, all she wanted was $10 for her time. <laughs> so I said, well, <laughs> I mean, you push you are run you, a hard yeah. bargain, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love that. So we are going to, so again, for those listening, the book is I color myself different and we will put uh, pictures of it and then link to purchase in the show notes. So you can go check that out as well as the link to all of, uh, to Eric's site, all of his work. Um, definitely go purchase it. There's a lot of incredible original art that I know you're going to want to get. Um, so, uh, I was eyeballing that uh, that uh, death of Professor X, or I should say Professor X Phoenix Rising, or whatever it is. That looked awesome. So that was super cool. Um, and I could go on. Uh, I would say before we pivot to the last part of the show and then wrap up, what is a piece of advice that you like to give young, younger aspiring artists um, that is, that is a piece of advice or a mantra that was impactful for you. What do you like to then pass on to the next generation? Do the thing that makes you happy. Mm. Do the thing that you're most passionate about. And I just, I, I listened to, I used to work in, in video games and I remember sitting in a cubicle miserable from the outside looking in i'd made it at a home right my car was getting paid i was making art sitting in a cubicle had a computer screen in front of me drawing and all that stuff hated it it wasn't what i wanted to do it was just a job yeah that aligned with what i went to school for sure Ooh. right yeah but yep. How long can you do that before you're stuck? Or how long can you do that before you, you just, you die a little bit inside? Yep. So 
I was listening. I just happened to be listening to YouTube like this in this pot, this uh, Taoist philosopher named Alan Watts. One of his videos popped up on YouTube while I was drawing. And the video basically asks, what would you do with your life if money were no object? How would you live your life? And I remember watching that and listening to it over and over and over again. And I would answer it to myself. I want to paint sci-fi novel covers. I want to do, I want to paint black people in the future. I want to paint positive images of like sci-fi art with all kinds of representation that I have never seen before in the history of the genre going back almost a hundred years right? From the pulp covers of the 1950s to present day, I challenge you to find images where there is a predominant non-white character in the foreground of the composition. And that does not exist. And I thought, man, that's horrible. Now, if nobody pays me for it, fine, but I have to, I have to put it out there in the world. I have to. Yes. And exactly. when I did that, when I finally stopped dragging my feet about it and saying, well, nobody wants to see that. That's going to derail your career. You know, it's you know, it's going to blackball you or your typecast you or whatever, whatever the word is. Instead of thinking that way, I just put it out there. And then it the images went viral they showed up on twitter i don't even have i didn't even have a twitter account at the time and the images <laughs> that i was painting that i were that i was painting were on twitter then my agent now my now agent called me up summer of 2018 hi this is the bright agency blah 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 we saw your work online <laughs> where did you see it on twitter really (laughs) how like right exactly so at that point i'm thinking how many thousands of oh my god like to a point where some agent is sitting there scrolling through their phone and they just see it and they decide to call me and then they showed it to disney and disney was like oh we got some work for you and then yeah. Scholastic saw saw the stuff and they went into their pitch meetings and said, well, this is the artist we want for this project and this project. Right. I did the thing that I was passionate about. I did the thing that I thought if I don't do it, nobody else is going to. Even if there, I know there are other people out there doing what I'm talking about, but in my head, the way I envisioned it, I was the only one that was going to be able to do it the way I saw it, and it got results. I'm talking to you now. I'm in the house that I'm in right now, and I can attribute all of that, all of the success I've had over the past five or six years of my life, I'd say five years of my life, I can attribute to one painting one and I sold it. (laughs) I sold that painting 
at, I, w- I remember I was talking about the low points in your career. I was at a low point yeah. where work wasn't coming in. And I had to do whatever I could to just make daycare money. Just to just to sure. just to keep my daughter in daycare just another month longer so that I could put out one more sample to try to get work. Right. I sold that painting at a convention. It broke my heart, but I had to do it. Right. Because I love my kids. And yep. the Christmas of 2020. I was complaining about it. Like over every year I would complain. I wish I hadn't sold that painting. I wish I hadn't sold that painting. And my wife tracked down the person that uh, I sold that painting to and she bought it back and she gave it to me as a Christmas gift. And she has me on video, like opening it up. And I screamed like a little woman and I bawled my eyes out <laughs> as if like a long lost child had, had returned home. And it was yeah. like the most beautiful moment. But that is what I'm talking about. You have to be passionate about what you do, because if not, you're just killing time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well said. Well, thank you for that piece of advice. We are going to transition to the last part of the show. It's a segment where I like to, I, I like to call it, it is called Things to Check Out. Uh, it's a segment where I provide something I'm either watching, reading, or listening to. I invite my guests to do the same. Obviously, we're all reading. I color myself different because that is key. If you've not picked it up, uh, I don't know what you're doing at this point. You've been listening to the show on your phone. It's in the show notes. If you've not placed the order and have it shipping to you, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, Perhaps you're on a walk. Well, pause, purchase it, and then move on with your walk. Um, Things to check out. Um, So since we were talking about prominent uh, black characters in sci-fi prominent black characters in comics and superheroes and illustrations, all kinds of things. Um, One thing I wanted folks to be aware of, if they're not, it has wrapped, but the show Black Lightning, uh, which was on the CW for four seasons, the whole series is currently on Netflix right now. It's excellent, excellent show. I absolutely love the character of Black Lightning, but I specifically love the way in which they depicted the family dynamic in this show. Um, it was unlike anything that I'd seen growing up and then chatting with several of my friends, it was unlike anything that they had seen from a representation standpoint growing up. And so they were thrilled as well. So we want to support that, have more and more nuanced stories like Black Lightning. So let's give our support, get those numbers up. The other things I was going to talk about was uh, Marvel's What If uh, on Disney+. Plus, Specifically the episodes, there's a feature on Eric Killmonger. And then an episode where uh, T'Challa, rest in peace Chadwick Boseman, uh, is picked up by the Guardians of the Galaxy and becomes Star-Lord. So those are two really cool episodes I want you to check out. Um, And then the last thing uh, I will say, uh, I'm a big fan of Batman. And uh, they just rolled out a new podcast on Spotify, Batman Unburied, which stars Winston Duke uh, from Black Panther as Batman. So really cool representation in a lot of different venues and forums. So those are the things uh, to check out. Uh, Eric, what are you reading, watching, and or listening to? Um, So over the past year, I've feverishly been uh, 
trying to catch up on all things Star Wars. And because the internet doesn't care that I have a life or deadlines. Oh, man. You know, this is going. I mean, I, I randomly (laughs) scroll through Instagram and it's, did you check it? Do you see Luke Skywalker? I'm like, no, don't tell me. Why did you do it? You've got, oh. You've got like mute you your entire just, feed. You have to just throw the point. turn the phone off. Just throw it away. <laughs> yeah. As long as there's new episodes of anything, you just you can't you can't even look at. Just check your email. That's it. Don't go on Facebook. Don't nothing. Your, your phone's a brick. Right. Don't don't do anything. <laughs> don't turn on the TV. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Don't go outside. Your neighbor's like, did you see it last night? <laughs> right. No, shh, shh, quiet. I'm just, just trying, trying to get the mail. mail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I have been <laughs> just so blown away by I wrapped up the the last season of Clone Wars, then I dived into then I dove right into Star Wars Rebels. And oh, nice. It's basically for anybody that is an old school Star Wars fan, maybe watched the prequel trilogy, but hasn't seen anything since. It fills in the Star Wars, Clone Wars, all seven seasons of that, plus Rebels, fills in the hole, the gap, the 30-year hole between okay. uh, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope. Right? So okay. when you when you watch, like, so there's a there's a I don't want to geek out on you, but like, of course, like, why not? Right. So one of the <laughs> right, one right. of the lead writers, the showrunners for Star Wars Clone Wars, his name is Dave Filoni. Dave is like, he's like, I don't know, like Moses to like, you know, it's, it's I swear to you, there's there's <laughs> photographs of him yeah. sitting next to George Lucas taking notes. The man was writing down oh, the gospel, wow. right? Like here is it's coming yeah. down from on high and he's telling this man look right. this is what is this is what i was trying to do until them fanboys with, with their jar jar whining yeah. and complaining shut me down and i couldn't get it done i bequeath it to you my son right and he went in and said i got you yeah. i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it and we're gonna do it in animation we're gonna sneak that story in there for seven seasons oh. man it was beautiful it was beautiful. So then now when I watch the Mandalorian season two, I'm in season two. They have Easter eggs from Clone Wars and okay. Rebels in sure. Mandalorian. And it's so sweet. It's like the icing on an already delicious sprinkles and icing on an already delicious cake. <laughs> the cake was good, but you didn't notice the sprinkles and the icing unless you already watched like, you know, however many hours of television. Right. So now I'm, I'm I have to get through Boba Fett because at the end of this month I'm going to shut off all the lights in my basement and I'm going to watch Obi-Wan show. Oh, that's yes. that's my thing. Yeah. As far as reading, oh. my wife would tell you I'm still nursing a sci-fi novel I bought in 2006. <laughs> but, oh, I hear you. I have a, I have a, like a, I have a bunch of comic books that I, I try to read, but I don't know. It's like, you think you're going to have time as a parent, 
Right. <laughs> I buy books. I buy eBooks. I, I have stuff just sitting in my iPad or whatever. And I think I'm going to open it yeah. up and then I go to sleep. Right. But then you, then, <laughs> but then, but then there's the priorities, right? You say, well, you don't read a yeah. book, but you have hours of your life to dedicate to star Wars. Yes, I do. Because I don't have to think I can just have to yeah. press the button and then, Right. And right. just let it let it entertain yes. me because I know that that little yes, narrow exactly. window of time that I have at the end of every night or once a week, I just want to shut off the world. I don't I want to I yes. don't want to do anything because I'm I'm either teaching or I'm painting something trying to hit a deadline. I just want to relax. Right. And it's so satisfying to see a story unfold across all the different, you know, animated episodes and then the, into the live action. And it's, it's just incredible. So um, I tell my students, I am almost done with Mandalorian and they're like, Oh, great. I'm like, don't say anything to me because I know what's coming. Just let me experience it for myself. Right. Yes. Oh, it is so hard to have that moment. Uh, I've you try and mute all the hashtags and everything. And it still is like yeah. it's pointless. But yes, oh, that's incredible. Um, well, Eric, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way? For so them to do that? you can uh, go to my website, ericwilkersonart.com. Uh, you can also follow me on uh, Instagram, uh, Eric Wilkerson Art. I'm also on Twitter at e Wilkerson Art. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's me. Um, oh, this has been an absolute delight, Eric. I am so thrilled that you were able to come on the show tonight, today, tonight. Well, we're recording in the evening, but people might be listening to this who knows when. Um, but I'm excited that you were able to come on the show for this episode, and I am ecstatic and hopeful to have you back on the show again in the future because we're just going to continue this entire conversation about all kinds of excellent sci-fi comic books, all kinds of things. So thank Eric, you for thank having you so me. I am today. all for it. I would love to be back on again. Um, I am hopefully going to do another one of these children's book things and, uh, you know, and uh, have some fun with it. So yeah, absolutely. That sounds awesome. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.